Hey, it's Brian. Thank you for joining us for an enlightening episode as we interview Jason Lockhart, a seasoned talent agent who has a deep understanding of the entertainment industry. Working in the booming Atlanta market, Jason has established himself as a force to be reckoned with. In this episode, you will discover his invaluable insights into the industry, including the significance of nurturing relationships, both personal and professional. Prepare to be inspired by Jason's unwavering commitment to his client's success and personal growth. And be sure to listen closely as Jason explains what makes a winner. Now, before you listen, you've got to grab our backstage pass because it's packed with Jason's top tips, insider advice, and additional resources that will give you a competitive edge. You can grab the backstage pass by going to podcastbackstagepass.com. I had been a commercial assistant for a long time, and I thought, I should just be an agent. It's the one thing I do that's not about me. I'm like chasing other people's dreams instead of my own, and it's the only thing I do that actually feels rewarding and is consistent. Everything about me is nauseating and, and stresses you know, it's me interesting. out. Now, I don't know you, right? But I mean, I know you from coming and seeing you. Do you know what I mean? In my eyes, you're always, I call you in my head, because today I was t- saying to myself, I'm seeing Mr. Maverick. That's my favorite word for you, Maverick. I have to actually strategically make plans that I can prove I'm going to work harder than everybody else. And that's what I did. And I was terrified and overwhelmed a lot. And it even like ruined the relationship that I moved across the country for. But I was romantic relationship. What's that? A romantic relationship. Romantic relationship. Yeah. I mean, I moved for her. And then six months later, there was just no, she hated me. Rightfully so. I wasn't available because I was working so hard to make a name for myself, but not really for myself, for my clients. I knew if I worked hard for me to be successful as the agent, I would bring hundreds of people with me. And that was exactly what I, I set out to do and am still doing, you know? So you get to Atlanta, you don't know anybody except, you know, the significant other. How do you acclimate yourself to now? You're like, your agency is prominent. How did that happen? <laughs> I realized the first thing I'm going to need are the casting directors. More than what shoots here, more than even knowing my own actors. I need them to know me and like me because they're the ones who are going to give opportunities to the actors. And I'm just the middleman. So I wrote to all of them a very brief email that basically said, I will abuse my wallet and my liver to make sure that we become friends. Mm. And almost all of them took me up on some personal time. And I do feel very connected to almost every casting director here. And the ones that it took a little bit longer, I had to really feel out how do they like to work best? What is the best way to communicate with them? How do you make them happy? How do I make their job easier? And once I figured out all of that and stayed true to it, we started to see more success. How did you get in front of them? How did you get to know them? Some of it was one-on-one time, FaceTime in person. Some of it was just straight up asking questions for honest answers. And then I also investigated a lot through the actors. Like, tell me what you know about this person. Tell me what you know about them. And it was in a abundance of research and hard work. When did you start at AMT? Was it like 2017 or 2016? 2017, we had over a thousand clients and so many clients didn't even have a reel. They didn't even have video footage. Here I am, their agent. I can't even see if they're a good actor. How the hell can I rep someone that's not even good? So we basically sent out a message. I was like, I need video footage or we can't rep you. And immediately within months, we were able to get rid of hundreds. And so that narrowed it down. And then I was just meeting three to four actors a day and getting to know them and figure them out and kind of coach their materials and and groom the roster. 
But because of that, every time an actor would walk in and, and sit down in the office, we'd basically talk about them and only them for about an hour. Mm-hmm. So if that's three times a day, now I'm three hours behind in email, which means the day doesn't really end at seven or eight o'clock the way it normally should. It's ending at 11, 12, 1 a.m. sometimes because of the workload. So they were very long days the first year. And I remember it. So like we started our first Atlanta trip showcase. And like I think that was right when you started. And as soon as you walked in, I'm not sure if you remember this. I was like, I know this guy. I've like met this guy before. Like in 2013, I think when I first moved out to LA, I had read for one of your like movies at Sunset Gower. And you like it was like a tiny office. It was like you and this other guy. I forgot the name of the of the movie. It was kind of like an American Pie style thing. It might have been like, Casting Couch. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then, so anyway, so as soon as you walked in, I was like, I know this guy. <laughs> and I finally pieced it together. Well, yeah, that movie American Lie became Casting Couch, which is now available everywhere. Wow. Okay. I need to watch it then. I saw the script in my computer somewhere because I saw you and I was trying to like piece it together. And then I was in Atlanta. So when I got back to LA, I opened up, opened up my computer and pulled up the script and I confirmed. I was like, oh, it says Jason Lockhart on here. And you came in in a leather jacket. That's why I called you Maverick too. Because, you know, you look like Maverick, Tom Cruise. I was almost going to ask you, where's your motorcycle? Yeah, I wish I had one. He and Kenny Smith are always the best dressed reps. I mean, look at it. It's a Sunday. And look at Jason. You're embarrassing me here. I mean, like, you look amazing. I'm working. I'm working today. (laughs) Put an actor on tape for an hour this morning. Wow. So did you pursue acting before you were a writer? Yeah, I was a kid actor. And then ultimately out in L.A., I started, you know. Oh, you were a kid actor. Wait, so where were you born, Jason? In L.A.? I was born in Ohio. So when you came out to L.A., how old were you? 20s. I went to college in Vegas, got a degree in acting, and then moved to L.A. wanting to be an actor or a writer. And you liked Luke Perry, I I hear, in the bio. Yeah, yeah. I was a huge 90210 fan. And I'll never forget the day I actually sat back-to-back with him in a Starbucks, and that was a magical day. He's a cool guy. And that day spawned some of my writing career, actually. What? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, my roommate was the manager of Starbucks, the one in Toluca Lake right there by Warner Brothers. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Next to, in the Bob's Big Boy a lot. And he was like one of your favorite people of all time. Like if you could meet five people, he'd be very high on the list. He's in here right now. (laughs) Who is it? And he made me guess. And I was like, Luke Perry, I'll be there in 90 seconds. Oh my gosh. So I just went with a laptop and I sat at the bar so I could be really close, like close enough to hear him talking to people. And I was like, I should just start writing something so it doesn't sound like I'm eavesdropping. And I started writing a scene that was basically like Brandon and Dylan from 90210 fighting over a girl. And that turned into a web series. <laughs> it really is incredible the way, the way life works. How did you transition from writing and acting into the agency world? Well, it was really when, when shit hit the fan, like everything fell apart for myself and it was like, okay, I just need to do something consistent. I had a girlfriend that I thought I was going to marry and I was like, I need consistent income. I need to take care of her and I and, and look at the future. And on that same day, I was having happy hour with a buddy who said my agent quit today. I was like, oh really? He's like, I wish you could be my agent. <laughs> yeah, well, wow. maybe I could. He was like, let me get to the owner's info. So I wrote to her. I was like, look, I've been an assistant for a long time, but I think I could move into film and TV. That's what I know. And she gave me a meeting and I said, immediately, I don't know how to do this, but if you're willing to train me for one day, I'll figure it out. Wow. So you, you know, it's interesting that you're, you're saying that I always say to people, I said, give me the less talented person. And I'm not talking about acting either. I'm talking about whether you're an actor, whether you're a football player, 
whether you're, you're an, an office worker. Give me the less talented person, but the person who has more desire. The person who has the most desire is the person I want on my team. I love that, Mark. I love that. Would you that. say that's true? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's you. You had such strong desire that you made that situation work. I also believe that a lot of people say they don't know themselves or they've finally figured themselves out when. And I feel like I could pinpoint that in my own life and probably assist other people in figuring that out. And I think that's when you figure out where you belong in the world. That's when you know who you are. And we all have skill sets. We're all better than some people at some things. And you know what? No one's good at everything. So if you can really hone in on what I would call my limited skill set, it's a culmination of what it takes to be an agent, which helps other actors put food on their own tables and collect health insurance. And I figured that out and it took the job. And now that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? You say you figured it out. And I'm hearing your story and I'm saying you made a choice because it sounds like you're the kind of guy that if you would have stuck with the writing, you might have struck out once or twice. But because your perseverance, you probably would have had a degree of success in that avenue because of, of who you are. And, and once again, I think because you're, you're good at a number of things, you really made a decision. You know what? I'm going to stick to this. This is what I really feel comfortable with. And, and because you had that commitment, there you are. Yeah, maybe. For me, it was looking back on it. But you're right. It was a decision. And any, any parts of our life are decisions. But like you said, you do have to be good at what you – you have to know inside you're good at it. And you, you did know. I could see the reward. <laughs> I could see the reward in others. Yeah. Hey, it's Brian. I'm dropping in on an important announcement. What you need to know is you have more control over your career than you think. The thing standing between you and the career you want is your connections. And that's where one-on-one -on -one Next Level comes in. If you are not a member yet, you can apply to join at oneononnextlevel.com. Press pause and do that now. If you are already a member and you are ready to get back on track, we want to invite you to book a strategy session with us led by myself personally. We will help you prioritize which classes make the most sense given your career goals. You can find these under the resource hub in your account portal. We can't wait to hear your success story. So for your transition to Atlanta, obviously you mentioned you originally, the intention was to move there for love, but how did you even get the job at AMT? Was it just, there was an opening or was it the same perseverant thing where you were like, Hey, like I can make this even better. Well, the girlfriend was from the Southeast and so she, and she was with people store. Who's another, you know, another major agency here. And she said, she heard through the grapevine that the head of film and television from AMT, the head agent position was about to be open and that it was a lot of gossip in Atlanta. She was like, you should apply for it. And I immediately slammed it down as we do when we're afraid of things. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to get it. Why would I waste the time applying? And that really upset her, obviously. And then a couple of days went by and I took a look on entertainmentcareers.org or .net, whatever it is. And I saw the post and I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah, it really is an available position. And I asked another friend that I knew that was from Atlanta. And she was like, yeah, that's a huge agency. They're one of the biggest and so I thought, okay, great, confirmed, I'm never going to get it. No point in doing it. And then another few days went by, and I'll never forget waking up in the morning in my parents' home in Ohio. We were vacationing around 4th of July, and the sun was coming through the shutters, and I could feel energy. Like, whether you want to say it was like a religious or, or whatever it might be, a moment that I'll never forget that I could feel, and, and it came through the light. And I thought, of course I'm not going to get the job because I'm not even trying. I have immediately eliminated my own opportunity. So I should at least apply. And then I've given it my all. 
instead of decided. So I did. And, and everybody was going to some museum. This was like July 2nd, maybe. Or, and everybody left the house and I sat there alone on my parents' couch and I filled out a cover letter and, and fixed my resume, sent it off. And it was only four or five hours later on a Saturday afternoon that Sarah Carpenter, the owner, called. We were in the car heading to go get ice cream, the entire family. And I see on the caller ID, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, phone pop up. And she and I look at each other and we're like, there's no way this is about that job. And it was Sarah Carpenter. She goes, Jason Lockhart, I know who you are. And I've been on the phone about you all day. When can you get to Atlanta? Wow. Wow. Amazing. And that was the beginning. How did she know about you? I want to just say that it was a combination of who knows who and hard work traveling, you know, traveling far. And she's the kind of person that dug under every stone to find out about you. She was on the phone all day making calls. That's why you get along. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, But the only thing I I haven't figured out about you is because, you know, you said you're from Ohio and you mentioned Ohio a few times, yet there's no LeBron jersey behind you. Why not? It's over there. Okay. Very good. Very good. So this is what I wanted to ask you then, Jason. You spent some time in L.A. and you're now like really entrenched in Atlanta. What would you say in your uh, your opinion is the difference between an actor's atmosphere in L.A. versus like Atlanta? The realistic ability to actually make a living at this. Gotcha. In Atlanta. Yeah, in a a shortened time period. I sense from my work as an agent in both markets that there are just way more opportunities per the number of competitive actors in this market. So in Los Angeles, let's say there are, I'm just going to make up some numbers, 50 projects and 20,000 actors trying to get those 50 projects. In Atlanta... You've got 40 projects, almost as many, and 4,000 actors, 75% roughly less. Mm-hmm. There you go. Okay, I totally agree. So the other thing about your way of thinking is you're always trying to think of just a little bit of a different way of thinking. So if you're looking at the business, the way it's running today, where do you see the business end of things Going like obviously right now it's gone towards self tape and we already you know Atlanta was the first and and then L A kind of followed from the pandemic but where do you see the business as far as as an actor moving forward to? I don't think that Los Angeles is going to hurt as the hub and like kind of the mother city for all of this but I absolutely think that Atlanta is going to be number two and is going to continuously grow and I think it could ultimately kind of be like an L A Atlanta the way it used to be in L A New York. I still think the infrastructure is there in New York and there will always be work in New York itself is quite a character that can exist in many stories. But I do think that, I mean, I'm seeing it. The square footage of studio space in Atlanta is continuously growing and anything you need, you can get here within 10 minutes. You need another actor. You need another set of lenses. You need another location. You can get it and you can get it fast and cheap. Mm. And that's going to, to make people move, you know, money. Any other areas of the United States, like New Mexico, becoming like an Atlanta junior? Or do you think that pretty much because, you know, Atlanta has the airport and everything like that. Do you feel like that's what it's going to be? Atlanta, L.A., you know, you know, there are other areas that do have a footprint. You know, Pittsburgh has had a footprint. Definitely New Mexico, New Orleans. And they have a footprint. I think they'll always shoot, but I don't think they're going to be a major hub. They'll always have a project or two. Yeah. But it's not going to be the kind of place where I think someone could live consistently making six figures. 
Mm. And you think, at least from your clients in Atlanta, like they, they, it's not to say it's a guarantee or you know even a high probability, but you do see like working actors making six figures, like bread and butter in Atlanta. So many on our roster making six figures, owning homes, having families. This is their full time job, just like Los Angeles. So, also, do you see a, a prevalence, a significance in social media with an actor having so much of an audience on social media? What are your thoughts? Not much. I think that it's important that as an actor, everything they put with their name and face out there for the world to see should look like the level of quality of the success that they hope to achieve. So they are going to either look glossy and expensive and successful, or they could look cheap. So I do think it's important that they kind of cater the direction of the success they want. But I think influencers and actors are two different things, just like I think an actor, a manager, and a publicist are three different careers. I would like to work with an actor. I'm not super concerned with social media and I haven't yet really come into a deal where it mattered. Mm -hmm. And Jason, I I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, but you know, last fall, you like, you are the the new owner of AMT and the the president. Not the owner, but yeah, but I I became the president. The president. Can you tell us a little (laughs) bit about how that came to be and, you know, kind of how your day-to-day has changed with that? Well, I can say that Sarah Carpenter, the owner, you know, she started when she was about 22 years old as an intern in Atlanta. And 30 years later, she became the owner. She was she had a partner. After a few years, they went their separate ways, but they're still really close. In fact, I'm close with that partner as Is well. Is she from Atlanta, Jason? No, she's from New York. So she moved to Atlanta having the foresight to see Atlanta's, do you know what I mean, incubation state? Yeah, I don't remember the exact reason why she moved there, but I believe, you know, it was in like the 80s and she... She just has known the entertainment industry her whole life. She is a beast when it comes to SAG commercial, SAG after commercial contracts. And you can't know her and not smile. Like she's just this like wealth of information and and fun energy. But she decided to really kind of take a step back once she saw that I had the film and TV department kind of under control. She was she hasn't been over my shoulder since about six weeks in. At first, it was kind of like, should she keep my wings clipped or not? And eventually, she just realized, I don't need to clip him. I'm going to let him go. And the fact that I could soar and be fully trusted was such a joy that I didn't have to have anybody watching how fast I could run. I could just run as fast as I wanted. And then I also had a team below me that I could say to them, I'm not going to clip you guys either. I want to see how fast you guys can run. And I'm going to train you how to run as fast and hard as possible. And then I think that kind of bled into going into January of 2022. She wanted to just kind of take another step back and just have influence where she wanted it. And she, she and I have just a wonderful relationship and, and she named me president. Also in case God forbid anything were to happen to her, like, you know, she just knew she felt like she was in good hands. And I I wake up every day hoping that I can prove she is, you know. And like, how does like your day-to-day change in terms of like, you have new responsibilities? Are you still heavily involved in, you know, with your clients? And There was a lot at first, but I'm still the head of the film and TV department. And all titles aside, I actually don't give a shit about any of my titles. I just like to be an agent. That's really all I want to do. I just want to help actors get jobs. That's my focus so much so that I don't even act like a department head. And I'm very seldom doing anything that is related to anything other than just my actual job. But I do take calls and and kind of oversee the commercial and voiceover and all that and just kind of make sure they're doing their things. But we have really good, hardworking, kind, knowledgeable people in place So my job is more to inspire them to do the best they can and to make sure that they're happy people. If I were an actor, I'd want to be with you. But I want to ask you, what is it that an actor does 
that makes you go, because you're a very busy person, makes you go, you know what? I'm busy. I'm stopping in my tracks because I think I'm going to call this person in for an appointment, you know, to, to meet with them. In other words, how do you even see the, the actor? Are you, are you seeing them through a, an email? Or, and what makes you stop in your tracks and go, this is a person I want to call in? Well, I'll be totally honest that I barely ever respond to an, a cold call email about an actor. And I barely ever respond to a referral even about an actor because those are emails all day long and I'm selling all day. I'm not buying. I'm in the middle of something that's important for somebody I already rep all day long. As Brian knows, like I respond to emails very quick and they're very brief. And most of the times they're funny or they're just a GIF or a picture. Like, because I just, I try to keep my inbox at zero all day long because it gets backed up. Things get lost and th- important things get missed. And, and I have to categorize all day long to make sure that I'm doing things correctly. So never an email. The way I find most actors is through workshops and showcases and stuff like what you guys do is brilliant. You, you bring them in on a day when I am not busy doing anything else. Like on a Saturday between four and eight, I have dedicated my time to the actors that have literally spent time, money, effort, blood, sweat, and tears possibly, and rehearsal hours to be there in front of me. And they have my 100% attention. And that's really where I find people. And there's somebody that I met through you guys last week who I'm 99% sure we're going to bring on. And I'm really excited about her. And she had my full attention. And then she had it again in a mock audition. Then she had it again in a Zoom meeting. And she will have my attention for the rest of our time together. What did she do that made you ha- that had your attention? She walked in the room like a human, not an actor. I think that's a big difference. Great one. She was confident and grounded and smiley. She wasn't too much. She wasn't too little. She was just right. I would say there are three circles of energy that I learned from Patsy Rodenberg, who's a voice and speech teacher. There's first, second, and third circle. She was second circle. For anyone that doesn't know what that is, I would say Google that shit. It's important. And I think all actors should be second circle. Anyone in any job interview should be second circle. She was second circle energy. Her talent was there. Her poise was there. She just looked so professional. Her resume was professional with big credits on it. I thought, wow, she's already achieved some really big things. Of course, she's going to achieve them again. And that's something I do look for. I look for people that are winners, like Tom Brady, like Michael Jordan. My heroes are winners. She looked like a winner to me. And I thought, even if she doesn't, if I don't work with her, I'm going to root for her from the sidelines. That's how much I respect what she's already achieved. I don't think I've shared this in public, maybe just amongst the staff, but I, I have this game where I always try to predict which of our actors on the Atlanta trip will be called in by which of the agents. And for you, actually, I have a pretty good track record because during the showcases they're performing, I'm busy monitoring the timing, like dealing with a bunch of other stuff. I'm on my phone, I'm on the side. But like whenever like a performance just like captures the room's attention, you can feel it because then that's when I actually pay attention. And my you know, little game is, ah, if I pay attention, those are the ones that Jason will give a callback to. And so far, I've been pretty accurate. So <laughs> That's ironic, Jason, because my question to you was going to be, so the day after Michael Jordan got rejected from his high school team and the day after Tom Brady was chosen for the sixth round, do you think if you would have met Tom Brady the day after that you could have told that he was a winner? I don't know, but I did see him go in the very first game that he played when Drew Bledsoe got hurt. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's the dude from Michigan. I saw him play. Look at him playing. Cool, calm, collected, like he's already a winner. You could tell that game. I could tell. I could. I was like, wow, look how good he is. But I also had that same feeling when Kaepernick went in on his first game. It's like, wow, look how dominating he is against these really tough competitors. That guy's going to do really well. And then he went to the Super Bowl his first year, just like Brady did. Well, Brady was second year, but his first year in. 
So I do feel like it's like an intuitive thing that you can kind of see in some people. Okay, so this year, did you say the same thing for Purdy when for he Brock went Purdy? in? Yeah. You know, he did have that kind of calm, collected, like, I can do this kind of thing. And I will say all of his responses in the press made me feel that for him. I didn't watch all of his games because I was right, you know, just still very heavily involved in the Bucks all year is kind of my number one. But I did get that energy from him, specifically from him talking to the media. And look what he did. A rookie year, he comes in, he wins like seven in a row. That's pretty yeah, amazing. I did not get that from Trey Lance. I don't, I've never gotten that from Dak Prescott. There are a lot of athletes I don't get that from. How about Jordan Love? How about who? Jordan Love? No, I've never gotten anything from him. Okay. <laughs> I don't know anything about sports, so I'm not helpful on this, <laughs> this part. I got it from Joe Burrow. And you know, it's funny, my all-time favorite, it's embarrassing, but not, not really, Andrew Luck. He had some time. He had some time. <laughs> I do think if you're overpaid, you're not helping anyone but yourself. Mm. And, you know, it's pretty transparent, or I've been pretty transparent here in the Atlanta market even that, you know, I fought, I was salaried and I fought for years for commission. I was salaried plus bonuses. It was very important that these bonuses were big. It was based on performance. And I kept saying, I want commission, I want commission, I want to know specifically on every job what I'm getting. And it took the first three and a half years for the owner to grant that. And then I finally got it and I immediately stopped. I was like, whoa, whoa, actually, you know what? I'm going to split that commission between me and the other two film and TV agents Mm. because I want to make sure that these two agents and I work as three equal parts to this department on three points of a triangle that is a dream team that is really strong. And then I fought for a raise in commission and then we still split it three ways. And I learned that from Tom Brady because he never, he was, he's not in the talks of the highest paid quarterback of all time. He's not in the, the greed of all time. He makes his money other ways too. Don't get me wrong, but so do I, you know, like I had book stuff. I do all these other things, but when it comes to the actual work, I like to share in the efforts and share in the rewards and share in the hardships. And by doing that, I've got two rock stars with me and people give me way more credit than I'm due because Kelly and Madison are everything. They are rock star, badass agents. And when they put on a blazer and heels and go out in the town, like they can conquer anything and they don't need the heels. They can, you know, they can do it just with their knowledge and their power and their words and their hearts. But it's really impressive. And I, I think that's Andrew Luck's problem. If he would have spread the wealth, he would have gained more. Nobody does special programs like one-on-one next level. It's where we really help actors shine. I'm Emilio. I signed with my Southeast agent right after the Atlanta trip, and now I'm auditioning several times every month. And you know, I almost didn't do the Atlanta trip because I thought it was just another cash grab. I can tell you from experience that it's not. That's not how one-on-one next level rolls. And here we are six months later, and I already booked my first job with my Atlanta agent. I'm Rebecca, and the Bridge program demystified the industry for me. It gave me the platform to get off book in under 10 minutes, I met 60 new artists that are now all a part of my community, and I even signed with a manager. I have never walked away from a program so confident in my abilities. I'm so grateful for one-on-one next level. My name is Capenna, and I can finally call myself a working actor after participating in the LA Super Showcase. I had just moved to LA and I felt stuck. I came across the LA Super Showcase, and let me tell you, it was a life-changing experience. I signed with an agent, and since then, I've been auditioning for series regulars and booked my first TV job. I finally feel like I made it to the next level, thanks to One-on-One Next Level. In the next 12 months, One-on-One Next Level will host 27 special programs, bringing you unmatched, exclusive access to industry connections. Special programs aren't just a one-and-done class. 
Instead, they're designed to accomplish in a weekend what it takes most actors months, even years to do. So whether you want to get repped in a smaller market like Atlanta, bypass casting directors and connect directly with TV showrunners and decision makers, or spend a weekend meeting a bunch of musical theater industry professionals in New York City, you have to become a member to be eligible to sign up for our special program. To apply, go to www.1on1nextlevel.com. We can't wait to hear your success story. What do you think is the magic that has made, you know, you and, you know, AMT and your other agents like so, because I feel like at a good reputation before you arrived, but since then, I mean, you guys are really like the talk of the town. Like, what is it? Because so many other people have kind of followed your path where they were agents in LA, agents in New York, and they've kind of all descended upon Atlanta and started, you know, they opened up their own agency or they've, you know, been hired by the local agencies there. But what do you guys do different that sets you apart? Well, to be totally fair, our first thing I have to say is thank you for even thinking that. The second thing I would say is I don't know what anybody else does. I only know what we do. And, you know, I can't give away all of our secrets, but I'll say one of the things that we're really passionate about is efficiency. Time is money and I don't waste it. And I do sense that a lot of people in this industry as a whole waste time. Mm. They love to have lunches. They love to have conversations. They love to have meetings. Every time I have a meeting with an actor, I have just hurt 500 other actors mm. because I've given so much attention to one. That's why you like our showcases, because we don't waste time either. We are we are efficient. I don't meet with actors. I never meet with my actors, ever. I don't do long meetings. And I don't spend a lot of time bringing on new people. You know, from August to December of last year, we didn't bring on new clients. And we had two record-breaking months. While every other agency in town was sending mocks, having meetings, having interviews, engaging all of this time, which is money in potentially new people that they may or may not bring on, who then might take six months to make their first buck. Instead, we spent every waking minute from morning till night focused on our current roster and feeding the casting directors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think just even from what you've you know mentioned in this podcast interview, what attracts me to you is how good you are at breaking down the business side of this industry in a no BS way that's honest, but also not tacky. Like the, a lot of the advice you give when you do our Atlanta trip to actors is so true. You're like, we get the same amount of commission, whether you live locally in Atlanta or whether, you know, like or you live in Alaska and you have to, you know, consider that. People don't think like that though. And I think that's what, cause you have a book and you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, on purpose trying to plug your book, but I do know there's so many agency books out there and yours is like, I was visiting a friend in Orange County and, and like, you know, went, went into her room and like your book was just lying there and I like never brought you up before. And this was like during the pandemic. So there's clearly something about how you think and approach the business where you can really break it down tangibly for actors. Well, thanks, man. Part of the reason I wrote the book was to try to help people that I'll never meet, that I'll never rep or never even get in touch with. And I thought if I can leave something on this earth when I'm gone, I, you know, I hope that that will be a thing that helps people. It really is incredible. We're talking today about Jordan, about, you know, you, Tom Brady. And, you know, the, the story is the same, right? Like, you know, you started out in the trenches, you continued to work, you had the desire. I'm going to tell you a really quick. I had a, a friend of mine in college. I went to his wedding. We came to New York both took entry-level jobs in advertising for 12 grand a year. On the weekends, his lacrosse coach from college got him a job running for the New York Giants information from the field to the press box, okay? Hard worker, just like you. Next week, he will be directing for Fox the Super Bowl. 
His name is Rich Russo. Look him up. He's my friend from college. And, you know, just like you, Jason, it's the same story again and again, your story, Michael Jordan, Rich Russo. And the reason I'm saying this is for anybody out there like actors, it doesn't just happen overnight, but it happens if you have the desire and the perseverance, look at what you did. You came to Atlanta, didn't know anybody, and then you made a decision, boom, and look what's happened. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, in those in that first month, I didn't even leave the office till after 11 o'clock at night. I was going one at a time through the clients and looking at all of their headshots. And I have a very photographic memory. So I was memorizing what headshots everybody had and memorizing the resumes. So I knew who's been on Fox, who's been on Netflix, who's worked with Marvel, like who has been everywhere so that I could try to help them move forward through their own connections since I haven't even met them yet. And it was absolutely exhausting. But that amount of information and research drastically changed my work, changed the future. And Jason, this is our 30th anniversary podcast because we've been around for over 30 years. And our motto here is where there's a will, there's a way because it certainly hasn't been always easy for one-on-one next level. <laughs> we've, we've also had to take many risks and a lot of, you know, 11 p.m., 1 a.m., like as you said, I feel like we're parallel lives sometimes. So I always ask our podcast guests this question, like, can you name like one or two instances where you really took a risk against all odds where people were telling you you're crazy for doing this, don't do this, and you persevered? And, you know, it, it ended up blossoming into something amazing. I feel like it's going to be the Atlanta story, but, you know, there might be others. I can think of one, like, specific in terms of, like, a negotiation that comes to mind. Absolutely. Where I had been in Atlanta, I don't know, six months or so. And it was just very hard to negotiate here. Everything was still kind of day player. It was still kind of scale. And we had booked a nudity role, a stripper role on Ozark. And... I just went crazy trying to get her more money, whether it was a nudity bump or whatever, to the point where I contacted Jason Bateman's publicist. And I was like, how would he feel if he found out that local casting was not going to give more money to a girl that has to be naked on his show? (laughs) And that was when I was told by some people, like, calm down. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the agents in my office, a young woman said, why don't you actually call the actress first before you just go crazy in this journey trying to get her more? And she was like, Jason, I just want the job. I'll pay someone to let me have it. (laughs) So that's when I realized this really still isn't about me or my mission. This is about the actor and what they want. So now when I'm negotiating I still have very strong communication with the actor when it, it, it's a reason to believe that we should get more. And I keep the actor involved in that process and make sure that I'm doing the best for them. This job is completely selfless. And that was a big moment for me because I could have lost it for her. I could have ruined the reputation with us in the casting office who wouldn't have seen 700 more of our clients. It's never about me. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Jason, I just wanted to thank you for, I know it's a, you know, it's, you're a busy man and, you know, you're a family man now, now that and you're a well-dressed man, <laughs> now that you're married and like domestic. <laughs> so thank you for taking time out to, you know, always attend our Atlanta showcases and to do this. Like, I can't tell you how much we, we appreciate both thank you. Yeah. Well, it's fun hanging with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done it yet, grab the Backstage Pass because there's behind the scenes footage, we've taken the biggest takeaways from the episode and written them down for you, and there's also tools and resources to help move your career forward. It's the easiest way to turn this podcast into a tool for your career as opposed to something you just listen to as you're doing the dishes.